Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. Today we have a very special guest who's joining us to debate probably one of the oldest questions in popular culture or oldest questions that has haunted us ever since on-screen adaptations of books began and that is whether screen adaptations of books are doomed to fail. Uh, and to unpack this question, we have Shishti, not me, but another Shishti here with us. Uh, she is a writer and a producer who runs the bookstagram Reading the Other. And we're very excited to have her join us to unpack this issue. So to start off with, let's talk about what we feel about this question, right? Are on-screen adaptations doomed to fail? Yes or no? This is Shishti, your host, by the way. Hi, I'm so excited to be here because this is a question that I think about a lot. Um, so are they doomed to fail? I mean, I don't think so. I think that there's a lot that goes into an adaptation and it's very important to like remember that a book and an on-screen adaptation are just like such different uh, mediums that, you know, there's really a lot that goes into translating one from the other. I, I have a similar answer to you, Shishti, but I also will say that I'm more inclined to the side of book adaptations not always working out for the best, um, simply because they're just two very different mediums and I'm just not sure how much they are compatible with one another. Um, and so reimaginings and retellings and doing something more with the source material is really interesting but I just feel like there's a lot of gaps in the conversation that we're not talking about enough when it comes to some of them yeah that's I'll leave it there for now so that's an interesting jumping off point because I think what we what we intend to do throughout this episode is talk about different adaptations, different screen adaptations of book and then sort of tease apart, you know, how this idea plays out of whether adaptations can actually be as enjoyable or as faithful to the books as possible or what exactly happens with this and what might be the problems with this versus the sort of, you know, um, pros of this kind of adaptation. So let's start off by talking about... Uh, this question of representation in adaptations. Very often what tends to happen happen is that especially when like canonical works are being adapted um, in present day, uh, what's being done is changing, let's say, the race of the characters or the gender or certain aspects of the storyline, supposedly to make them um, more representative, right? Or to deal with like the issue of like whiteness, which happens in a lot of historical fiction and fantasy storytelling in particular, right? But how do we react to that? And maybe can you think of like instances where that was done well versus where it wasn't, right? Like, let's talk about uh, the Rings of Power, for instance, and HOTD and black characters in these storylines. Uh, did that feel tokenistic? Was any of it well done? Or do you think there's a problem with even the kind of conversations we're having with regard to this and the way in which storylines translate from book to screen with representation um so i've actually not watched either of those uh, house of the dragon or uh, rings of power but i thought it was very interesting that rohita brought up race especially because uh, there was another adaptation which i sort of started watching and started reading the book but like it just wasn't for me which was shadow and bone which is a netflix series uh, based on uh, a young adult novel series where what they do is that they in the book, the character, the protagonist is assumingly white, 
there's not really a lot of race discussed but in the series what they do is that they make her asian and they sort of add this subplot about you know how she also has to apart from all these fantastical things that are happening where she's of a different race in like a fantasy race but she also has to deal with like being you know genetically different let's say like you know looking different being separate from uh most of the other characters and that sort of again it feels in that in this case it feels very tokenistic right because it's like it's not uh adding anything to the narrative it's uh not it's not doing any service to the story it's in fact it's doing a disservice to it because it's pulling away from what makes the book so good and um it just feels uh yeah again disingenuous it just feels like yeah it's a whitewashing right almost like let let us put something in which is a little different and a little spicy and everyone will write think pieces about it on vox.com and we <laughs> we can uh you know uh get some instagram reels where people talk about this so you know that in that way i feel like it's kind of annoying and especially i think another uh adaptation where race i think i would say is bridgerton where especially when they introduce that whole indian family and you know it, the, obviously they're beautiful they're great actors the storylines interesting and whatever but uh there were a lot of people who were like where are they from like their name is this but they talk about eating this food and this is what they call their parents and it's just like this weird mishmash of cultural references which seem to be pulled uh from like wikipedia or like a basic understanding of raj from big bang theory like it's just really <laughs> it's like why that's so true like they are giving everyone the raj from big bang theory treatment it's like i never thought about it like that but <laughs> that that's perfect um Yeah and when it comes to Rings of Power um and House of the Dragon it's interesting because so there's a there's a scholar um named Ebony Elizabeth Thomas who talks about uh the dark fantastic and how fantasy has always had a a whiteness problem and in also in terms of how it frames its narrative like who is who is the protagonist who is going on a hero's journey versus who is the other and the other is always very racialized and very very um black coded and that's what in in the universe in the tolkien universe the orcs are the main like horde of inherently bad like evil creatures there's like evil is in their dna it's like that is such a problematic um treatment of race and just an imagination of race uh that it's that that logic is not being questioned in adaptations of lord of the rings or you know rings of power um we're not looking at what does race mean what does it mean to frame another uh species or just like to call a a set of people as as in the orcs are shown to have a consciousness and to have um you know sentience and things like that so what does it mean to just call them evil and then uh you know make the protagonists feel okay for massacring them and gen- like being genocidal towards them uh that is the problematic conception of race that's not questioned it's just almost like it's enough to make some main characters um you know people of color and even there we're not even talking about how it's you it's mostly like light skinned black people who are cast um 
so there's all of these issues that just don't go addressed and i think inherently it all boils down to the fact that the people making the decisions the people telling the stories the studio execs everybody it's it's all from the point of view of whiteness so as long as that's the point of view nothing is going to change really irrespective of how many black characters we include in the main plot um yeah i i just feel like it's a very weird direction we're heading in yeah i think i i i totally agree with the both of you and i think what feels even stranger is that with books you have like a very strong in most cases source material which you're adapting from so then when you introduce a new dynamic which is logically inconsistent it's a bit weird but i also want to say that do you think there's any merit to reimagining a story in this way um for instance i i feel like sometimes seeing a lot of the criticism for instance that um lord of the rings got right like seeing a lot of the criticism saying oh this is wokeness or why are you recasting characters as such or like you're going against the true nature of the book because you're not casting white people it just seems a bit bizarre i'm not sure it's it's a it's an interesting like question it's like how much like how do we weigh the pros and cons right like representation we're seeing people on screen but also in what way are we seeing them represented what sort of framework do they fit into are we actually addressing anything but also i think the question is in that sort of a space do we need to address something i mean not everything i this is like something i've been thinking about recently which is like does everything need to you know have like a very firm political standpoint like i watched the newest uh, black panther movie recently you know that that has a lot about like colonizers and uh the colonized people and people striking back and how people fit into these world powers but on one hand i feel like okay cool it's great that you know these stories are getting acknowledged but it's almost such a surface level depiction of things that you know i can go into the movie and be like yeah white people have terrorized colored people for all of human history and then i can just come back and you know not acknowledge perhaps my own privilege in like an indian hierarchy right and be like you know i am are we also colonizers to to other people which we are you know so is does a movie adaptation or a non screen adaptation have room for that sort of nuance should we even ask for for it to have that nuance you know you know how much are we expecting to be fed almost like and how much can we extrapolate from you know what we know of the world ourselves and how we feel about the material yeah i agree and i think for me the issue is when there are certain works of fiction that are being adapted like in fantasy especially i think there has to be like a level of question that goes back into just what do we consider to be canon itself and what do we consider to be great works of art and fiction when we re- when we're adapting um fiction in this way there is an opportunity to to rewrite the narrative of what we consider the like stories worth being told and what has been ignored so like there's there's a um Ni- nigerian american science fiction and fantasy writer named nadi okorofor and she wrote this book um called who fears death which was supposed to be adapted into an hbo series but it hasn't for some reason i don't know what that reason was but you know it's things like this like when there are stories that exist that are outside of the mainstream like 
great white author type of canon and they are not being told they're not being adapted then like you know the adaptations that we are seeing are doomed to fail in a way because they are not doing the work really of actually addressing the problems they just want to get away with the problems because they know that it's not suitable for this time and age so let's just throw some actors of color in there and then uh, call it a day instead of actually engaging with the text in a way that changes things but for the better um so i think in that way it's lazy on me and on multiple fronts and it completely ruins the discourse because obviously now the the focus is on all of the racist people who are against actors of color for the sake of act, like you know opposing actors of color and if they're being racist they're not actually having a critique there so we're kind of focusing all our energies there which it's kind of sad um i think that's a really interesting point that you brought up it's almost like a consolation prize it's yeah it's just like ha huh, we've done it you know like get off our backs like there's amazing fantasy and science fiction written by black authors and you know other like people who aren't white but they're never chosen for these adaptations it's again that that choice is being made where it's like oh it's a safe choice to pick something written by someone white but we also don't want to get flack so let's just tweak something so again like there's that intent right it's like what is your intention with introducing a, a different character and i think something else you said was really interesting where you talk about like like bringing in you know ideas of race and stuff into transporting it there i think this isn't about race this is about gender but if you see uh, greta gerwig's little women if you read the book um which i have done several times i i love that book uh, at least i did when i was younger um you know there there is like this conception of gender power gender hierarchies where uh, in a way louisa may alcott was very informed by them you know she talks about she tells her daughter like how oh whenever i, ha- I got angry at your father i used to just stay quiet and then you know and she she says it like so normally where you're like after you read it a couple of times you're like okay cool and then you come back to it as an older person as someone who is informed by it today and you're like oh that's really like that's strange but then when greta gerwig took that book she took the heart of the book but she sort of uh like brought in ideas that we have now perhaps that louisa may alcott didn't vocalize but she did like you know there's that uh jo's uh, monologue where she talks about being a woman and that's not there in the book but like it feels so true to the character that you're like yeah the, jo probably da- did think this you know you, you could see it in her character you could see it in the way she acted and perhaps if it had been a different time she might have actually said this in the book also yeah i absolutely love that example of little women because i think like like you said and i think that's what make for me adaptations adaptations very interesting because i think the really good writers and directors can find a way to expand the themes and read the characters in a way in which seems like a logical extension of who they were you know or read them against the grain in a way which is really refreshing and i think to add to that the way greta gerwig portrays amy i mean i was obsessed with that kind of portrayal of amy and then actually setting up jo and amy as two people who had very similar ambitions you know but chose very different routes to pursue the same thing you know and amy has been like historically in cultural discourse a very hated character like through time where everybody hates on and like dislikes and 
I think Greta Gerwig really put a totally, uh, you know, fresh spin and fresh way of looking at her, which actually, when you see the film, you're like, oh my God, yeah, it makes so much sense. And I don't hate her and I understand where she comes from. And I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, and that actually does bring up an important question, right? Which is one of the important debates that comes up with screen adaptations of books is, was it true to the book, right? Did it manage to be true to the book or not? How do you read this question? Like, how do you think you read this question of like, was it true to the book for a screen adaptation? And where do you think it's a fair question to ask versus where it just becomes very purist and tyrannical in another way, right? Where you don't allow for like space and how people interpret something. I think this is like so cool to think about, which is like, how do you... So obviously reading or any sort of art is so subjective, right? Like you can read The Great Gatsby, for instance, and be like, wow, Gatsby is such a, like, you know, this forlorn character who's like, there's something about his, he's suffering and you really feel for him. But like, for instance, when I read the book, I thought he cut a very pathetic figure, like not in a bad way, but like, you know, he's just like this person who's pining for something that he can't have. And there's this feeling of like almost impotency where he can't get there and, you know, where, so there's this one scene at the end of the book where Nick is describing how Jay Gatsby is like sort of, he has to has stretch his arm out towards the bay and he's sort of like, it's like his final grasping hand towards Daisy. And in the book, like it's described as his hand is trembling and his face is ashen and he just looks like, he looks pathetic in that set moment. But in the movie it's like so cool you know like uh he's like dramatically looking out into the distance and like amazing music is playing like and you're just like it, it doesn't feel true to the book in that way right because like for me at least it feels like oh that it feels like they missed the point that I saw so I guess the question is more like how do we decide what a book is like can we actually say that this is what the book wanted to say and hence, this movie is not matching up to that. Like, can you quantify it and then equate it? Or, yeah, obviously, there are some cases where it's more obvious, right? Like, it's just a bad adaptation where you're like, I mean, no, this isn't, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Um, but then also, like, you watch Pride and Prejudice and you're like, yeah, maybe Mr. Darcy should come out of a lake, you know, dripping wet. Like, I feel like that adds to the story. <laughs> so I guess, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, for instance, that version of Pride and Prejudice, is it true to the story? I mean, is it really true? It's like, no, but I had a good time watching it. And it feels like, you know, if Jane Austen was here, she'd be like, yeah, <laughs> good job. You know, uh, if if I could have, I would have also put Darcy in a lake, you know? Yeah, like, I think for me, um, what what usually comes up is when we talk about, like, again, fan like going back to fantasy, um, because that's the those are the kind of adapt adaptations that I actually watch. Like the other adaptations, I, I'm not as keen on watching because I don't feel that there's any purpose. It's like unless it's an adaptation like Little Women, where it's a reimagining, and I know that for I know for a fact that something different we're gonna get something different here. I just generally don't. Yeah. So when it comes to fantasy, it's like fantasy fans are so puritanical and pedantic about the tiniest details that we just end up missing the larger question of what this book is about. And I think there is an answer 
sometimes in some cases like when when we talk about dune for example that whole series was a critique of white saviorism but when we look at the movie that was made i mean i love the movie i'm obsessed with it but i really don't think that came across i think timothy chalamet was just this messiah figure that was just like it was almost if there was a critique there it did not come through so in that sense it did fail in the adaptation of what dune was about because there is a fundamental thing about uh, to say about you know like what is this series about what is dune um so in that sense yeah like the aesthetics and everything was amazing and again i i really enjoy watching that movie i watched it like a lot but i really don't think um it stayed true to the book in that sense so yeah I, and that's something i get very irritated with fantasy fans about because that they're, they're so stuck on the tiny details and it's just very pointless um you know you'd look at the technical aspects of did they get it right in terms of adapting these details onto the screen but it's not it's rarely about did they get the point hmm. overall but that does bring up a uh, another question um which is that what do you think about the way in which uh fit, like screen adaptations engage with the author's legacy right like because obviously there's an aspect of adapting a text and staying faithful faithful to that and then there's another aspect of like the author's legacy right and how filmmakers engage with that so how do you look at that question when it comes to this idea of like adaptations being faithful or not and adaptations being true or not and especially when they're, they're like like you said a lot of the times most of the times the adaptations are of like white great authors who are widely read and the problems are often kind of swept over this is actually like i was most excited for like this sort of a question because i feel like uh you know in in my engagement with reading over the past like maybe 2 years of me running this bookstagram i'm like i i started out with this very like very rigid idea right you can't separate art from the artist there is you know these the horrible men who have beaten their wives and you know left countless marriages or whatever like the, the horrible things that they've done and then how can you engage with their art right and you know find something beautiful in that but there okay i'm i'm going to go a little literature student right now which is the postmodern idea of the death of the author which is like after a text is made it's out in the world it's like is the author has no power over it anymore and it's more about how the reader is looking at it right and there's so many ways to like if we if you just think about the power of adapting something is it really the authors anymore like i you know you can do whatever you want with it you can stay faithful to it you can change what you don't like you can say that you know you did you did something good and you did something bad it's like you find a recipe online and you're like i don't want to put you know elaichi in my biryani i don't think that's a good choice and i'm going to remove it but the question remains that do you still inadvertently add to the social and cultural cachet of an author right like ultimately uh, for instance um agatha christie's whole family estate runs on adaptations of her novels you know and like it keeps adding to her popularity she's still one of the most popular authors in the world um and i'd say she's not even necessarily the most problematic so she's not maybe the best example to pick up uh, she's just the one i'm very crazy about um but 
you know so the question is that it still adds to their social and cultural cachet right like even with someone like let's say jk rowling so how do we sort of engage with that that yes on the other hand a text stops belonging to the author and the ways in which readers engage with the text audiences engage with the film takes it way beyond what it started as but on the other hand it does add to their capital and influence yeah it's it's sort of like the question right is there any ethical consumption under capitalism like you know it's is anything truly unproblematic like i know it's it feels like i i i've at least looped back from everything is bad to like let people live like i know that's also in a way problematic where there are things which are horrible that people have done and you're like ooh maybe maybe i shouldn't but at the same time like i don't know i i feel like sometimes art like skips pa- that past that part of the brain right it's like i'm not engaging like fully rationally with a piece of art i'm engaging with it from you know like not to be like very cliche but like from the soul right you're you feel something like you know maybe uh allen ginsberg did whatever he did you know whatever but like when i read how i do feel something it's it's something it it leaves an impression on me or you know jk rowling you know she's turned into voldemort but there's like still something that i get from harry potter like okay fine maybe not at now when i maybe reread harry potter i'll be like okay maybe i was a kid and i really like just idolized this book more than it should have been but it still did something right and I, i this is like what i wanted to talk about with like the death of the author um the, this is like one of my other very big passions which is fan fiction which is like a very fun idea of like the death of the author where people will take you know people are still writing harry potter fan fiction they're taking harry potter and they'll make harry a, a girl or they'll turn make hermione black and there's like just so much where they just take canon and they say okay thanks for this it's ours now <laughs> and we're going to do whatever we want with it so i think like there's that sense of power there for especially for an audience but maybe not you know there's also like how much power does the audience have versus a director versus the author like in this hierarchy so who is allowed to like take that power and who can do it fully unproblematically yeah i like okay so for me the issue that i have with um the idea of death of the author is that we are not post structure and post structuralism can tend to be very ahistorical in that sense so you know when we look at authors and their work the work is still very much informed by the author's world view and the author's politics and the the author is in the work i don't think it's possible to separate that completely um and so if the author is in the work then their history as well and their their um location socially um so that that makes automatically makes the work itself like uh political like politically located somewhere and so it's not immune to criticism as in we as in what tends to happen in these conversations is that we're separating the art and the artist and then the art is judged on its own merit as if such a thing exists but i don't think it exists um an art like a work of art cannot be separated from the artist inherently because it's 
made by their vision and their perspective so i think um you know it's still when we talk about like harry potter and jk rowling um even if you know there is a hypothetical situation where there's a harry potter remake without involving jk rowling at all she doesn't get any any money or any anything from it um i like in a world where maybe intellectual property does not exist if this is possible um i still think it would be problematic even if she's not earning any money from it because we're still not questioning the politics that informed this piece of work and if you actually look at harry potter there is there are several things that are really iffy about it like the goblins and the you know the almost analogous connection with jews it's like a little antisemitic over there and then and then the fact that um the elves as almost an enslaved race like you said and there is race there is structural hierarchy and oppression that is going completely unchallenged over here so it is worth criticizing in connection with jk rowling i think and even adaptation any adaptation of it would be subject to the same standard i really don't think we can ever be free like free a harry potter from jk rowling i think the who does a piece of art belong to is an interesting question honestly i'm like listening to both of you on both sides of the argument are equally compelling so stuck in the middle but i think the important question is also who is ultimately the author of a text right i think shishi the example of fan fiction is so interesting because it is true that in fan fiction you actually take a text and outside of the equations of money or power or studios and all of that you just you know you go wild with it and you change it and make it your own in ways that you know are probably unimaginable or actually involve so much amazing imagination um and at the same time like this question of who is the author is it more straightforward in the case of a book than it is in the case of a movie you know where people say with a movie or a tv series multiple people have worked on it often the director even though seen as the head of the project quite often isn't even necessarily the main person of the project right like because a lot of other people's labor has gone into that piece of work so how do you even answer that question is is a complicated one um but if if we were to put like one more thing into the mix of like this question of our screen adaptations doomed to fail you know what do you think about this idea that uh, screen adaptations are great because they actually make books more accessible to audiences in the sense that they might books might not necessarily have that wide an audience but the moment they translate onto screen sometimes that even adds to the popularity of books not sometimes in fact in almost all cases a lot of people go and pick up books whether it's game of thrones whether it's harry potter all of the popular uh, adaptations you see a huge rise in book sales post an adaptation so uh, do you think that that argument has has any merit in terms of like arguing in favor of screen adaptations of books other than like what we've discussed for like artistic reasons or just interesting experimentation etc cetera, etc cetera. what do you think about this okay so like i think yeah, the, it's cool right like you know you you get more people interested in something you you see like there's like this idea of like especially like on instagram right or book talk you know books become instagram famous or they become tiktok famous and you know everyone's shelves are like packed with uh sally rooney or colleen hoover and like all of these books get snapped up like it's like a it's a cycle right it's like a book is popular so it gets adapted and because it's adapted it gets even more popular and while that's great 
um there's also this idea of whose books get popular why they get popular and uh, what goes into making something popular so like you know for instance i talk about like colleen hoover who is like all over instagram and tiktok these days it's like there is a huge like machinery behind this person who like pushing for popularity and it's like cool it'll get it'll, it will get adapted into films it will get become a series for sure and it'll get even more popular but like are we missing out on a lot of other stories because of that you know i i also feel sometimes that um some adapt like it it's what you said shishti like i don't know if every adaptation if every book needs an adaptation but from a different perspective so like there are some uh authors for example elena ferrante who i'm obsessed with um and then there was a recent movie the lost daughter um based on her novella of the same name and it was a great movie i really enjoyed it wonderful adaptation i just don't know if it was necessary quote and quote um i think it's maybe on its own merit it exists for people to have that story be told in a visual medium but then did it necessarily make the book itself more popular i i don't think so and even when when we look at the the uh, my brilliant friend um books sort the my brilliant friend books it's the quartet um but there is a whole series which i don't think many people know even exists because it's not in english it's in italian um but yeah again that didn't necessarily make the books more popular and so i don't think it needs to exist from the perspective of it it will make these books more popular i think it just is okay to exist on its own like an on its own merit just because it's a wonderful story i'm actually really glad you brought up elena uh, ferrante because i actually have one of her uh, interviews open in another tab where she talks about writing the screenplay for uh, the lost daughter and she talks about how it it's such a, it feels traumatic to her to take her book and to strip things away which can't be shown on screen and then realizing that the things she didn't want to like really like for instance she says that everybody must have a body you know you have to pick who to cast and what they look like and that's something you can sort of get away with in a novel right it's like it doesn't matter fully what it, what they really look like like you can actually just talk about the things around it and the person can form like an image of them in their head but you're sort of cementing these details details that feel in a book superfluous right and um she talks about how it's like so interesting that like the book is fine like the book is still there like even after she has stripped everything away from it and added new things and realize that oh maybe i didn't need to put this scene in in the book that's like maybe it doesn't it i didn't need it to you know add to the narrative or oh maybe i could have done this differently she's like at the end of the day the book is still there the book is intact the book is on my table and i can go back to it and anyone can go read it and the movie doesn't take away from that right it's like it just it's a different it's just like a different version of it it's a different yeah perspective on it and you're trying to do something and you know 
maybe it shouldn't exist in terms of like is it necessary to ye like actually adapt it and you know the book is great it's a short book it's 120 150 pages 200 pages like did we need it to like reach a wider audience and i think it's also very interesting that you talked about how elna ferrante's books like even after adaptation they don't get the same sort of like rush to mad rush to the bookstores and i think that's very interesting in terms of like uh and i say this in like a very in quotes way like highbrow versus lowbrow art like how accessible is that art in in one way elena ferrante's book as a movie makes her art more accessible because her books are hard to read like the neapolitan uh, quartet is beautiful but it's it's a it's a what do you call it it's like a marathon you really have to like put in a lot of effort to get through it it's it's really worth it but uh, it's not the sort of energy that everyone has to expend so perhaps that series does something very good where it's like okay now this is a story that's worth telling and the director or the studio thought that it's worth putting time and money and effort into to bring the story to a wider audience and on the other hand it's like maybe something like you know a fantasy series or a bridgerton or a sally rooney where you're like okay the movie is also good but the book is not really that inaccessible okay there are people who don't like reading or are not very fond of it or find it difficult but it's still like somewhat accessible right like i don't want to come off as putting pitching two things against each other like apples and oranges but yeah yeah actually that's such an amazing point and uh, we should definitely link to that interview in our description and because i love the idea and i hadn't thought about it the other way right because i would always be excited by seeing how the characters look and who's cast but you know the other side of it which is that you don't actually they can be much more uh, amorphous or those details can be left out which gives you so much more freedom with the main text but also like you said the text remains intact which is beautiful and the many versions of it may exist but the book is the book and uh, on that note i think if if we go back to the question that we sort of started this podcast with has it changed where you stand if we ask the question again our screen adaptations of book doom of books doomed to fail too many things are being adapted today because we've just entered that era of entertainment and media where studio execs are just like everything is ip and i don't know if there's any like i don't know if there's less room now for original stories that are just made for screen because at the end of the day like we said in the beginning they these are two different mediums and adaptations can only go so far in either staying true to it or changing it but um yeah i mean there still need to be stories made just for a visual medium um and i i feel like we're straying further and further away from that and then that not only hurts storytelling at like large but also even the source material if if you turn everything into ip or essentially like commodifying stories even more and then you're making all these decisions and it's just these like suits in the studios who are inevitably white and then again it goes back to the question of how are they treating this material and what do they think is an important story to be told versus what do they think is not an important story to be told um so there's all these questions in terms of who is doing the adapting 
um that make it a more challenging thing so are they doomed to fail i don't know but i just def- i definitely feel like we we don't need as many adaptations as we're currently seeing right now so i i think like not to be like a little marxist little communist uh it's like you know uh as it's it's capitalism at the end of the day right like it, where is the intent is your intent to tell a good story or is your first intent to make money and you know we're sort of stuck in that cycle where again like I, whoever has made the most money will get adapted and then they will make more money and then that movie will make more the book more money and at the end of the day like we're just sort of sitting there and scratching our heads like when was the last time we watched a movie that wasn't either a sequel and adaptation or a comic you know and i think that's kind of sad <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh, i think this is one of those episodes where we've had a lot of fun respectful disagreement after a long time and it's definitely given us a lot to think about so thank you so much shrishti for joining us and for like you know this amazing discussion and debate and i'm sure we link to all the books and adaptations that we've spoken about so hopefully our listeners have a lot to dive into and on that note i feel like i can't end without i didn't get a chance to mention this before so in lieu of my like whatever end of the podcast joke i'm going to mention that miss marple was made into a new itv series in the late 2000s called marple where the queer representation was for murderers and i was just like nobody needs this like what's going on <laughs> like they turned stories to be like hey the murderers were queer and actually the two women can like got together to kill instead of the man and the woman and i was like what is going on <laughs> this is insane so i think it definitely matters where those decisions are being made from and what the thinking uh, underlying that decision making is and on that note see you again next time bye bye <laughs> <laughs> we do have a weird thing of saying bye on the podcast even though like nobody ever says bye on podcast but like yeah i mean on some they do but like Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios. The production company that brings the Swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films. 